G'day guys and welcome to the Bradley J Driver Experience. We're here for episode 24, so it's been an absolute blessing this last 23. And if you've been with us since day one, or even more recently, I just want to say thank you before we kick this off. Today's guest has become a good friend of mine. We, um, we're sitting here face to face, which is amazing. I'm loving doing this face to face with my guests again, um, now that restrictions are these. But I want to set a little bit of context before I introduce him. We met probably three, three, four months ago properly. Um, we both live here in the Wollongong region and anyone who knows this guy knows how much of an outgoing and, and happy personality he is. We met at an event called Barstool Blokes. It's a men's mental health initiative to get guys together just chatting um, and talking about life. And I went to that event solo, one out, for, for a purpose. I wanted to find myself immersed in conversation with people I didn't know, um, just to be, I guess, a shoulder for someone to lean on and chat to, but also to share my story. And so I walked into his boy Elroy that night and I was greeted by um, a couple smiling faces, one of them, this fella sitting across from me. And I'd, I'd known his face and recognised him from around the area, but he and his brother invited me to sit at their table for the night. Um, that led to probably two hours of really great conversation, a whole heap of life stories shared um, and since then, we've sort of been hanging out on the regular, a couple of morning walks and coffees, a few swims in the ocean. And probably two, three weeks ago, you shared with me a story of your past that really threw me off because for, for how confident and outgoing you are, um, it really showed me um, something we all know, but quite often need to be reminded of, that even the most confident, bright and positive people go through testing times. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it's my good friend, Jared Peascard. How are you, brother? Yeah, good, mate. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for having me, Brad. It's um, my first ever podcast, so um, thanks mate, for having me on. I think post this, it could be one of many, because this is a story of bipolar and depression, um, which has a more positive recent, um, I wouldn't say end, but a more posi positive recent trend to the tale. Um, and... When you told me about your story a couple of weeks ago, like I said, I was really shocked. I was thrown off because I guess it's something that we we talk about depression, especially being being a silent killer. Mm. Um, but we don't really talk about bipolar much. Yeah, it, it's it was a pretty interesting one because up until the age of twenty four, I was a pretty average bloke in terms of mental health, like some ups and downs. Um, losing a few loved ones here and there, just the normal common things that happen in life. Unfortunately, these things do happen. You're upset, you're, you're emotional. Um, but yeah, at the age of 24, I'll do a quick sort of intro into how I sort of got to, got to the bipolar stage. Definitely. But I was a normal average fella up until 24 years old. I spoke emotionally to my mates when I felt like it, didn't feel I had to. Cuddled your mates, give them a bit of a peck on the cheek to rile them up every now and then. But um, 24, mid-20s, mid I, out of nowhere, just within a week, I, I felt it. Like, I, I felt it physically that weirdly, and I want to make note, if you don't feel comfortable listening to about some pretty unfortunate events, like, I prefer you not listen because yeah. some things trigger some people in other ways. I know that's what happens with me. Um, so, tune out if you don't want to hear some pretty ordinary stuff. Um. But I went suicidal within a week and um, I'm one of the lucky ones. Like I've got a really close family. I've got the, an amazing support network of my mum, my dad, my brother, my sister, my partners, all that kind of stuff. Um, but even, even my friends were there for me. But in a matter of weeks, I went from just this average fella, happy all the time to could barely open my mouth because I couldn't speak. I was just proper in the dumps, no reason whatsoever. Life was good. Nothing happened to me whatsoever to change my emotional state. And um, two days later, I was in the mental health hospital um, with clinical depression. So it was sort of like a bit of a whirlwind of a week for me, going from doing my normal stuff to next thing you know, in the mental health hospital. Locked up, I say locked up, but it was the best kind of locked up possible. You, you go in and you're... Um, and you uh, pretty much said, hey, look, we'd like you to stay here for the next four weeks and we'll manage your sort of your ins and outs and go through to make you yeah. a better sort of version of yourself. But we'll go into that further in detail. But, yeah, so mid-20s, 
was a sort of a bit of a revelation for me. Talk to me about what, what really intrigues me about this story is because you're, the change in your um, mental mind frame was so drastic and quick. When did you first realise that that mindset and, and physical feeling had shifted? Um, I think it was, I had a week, like it was a distinct week where it went from fine to proper on the edge of like emotional understanding of what I knew. And I, it was probably about day three into it. I was like, excuse my French. Are you allowed to swear? You are. I was like, oh, fuck me. Like, this is like, I am not well at all. And it took me another day until I like I broke down to my mum and dad and I just started crying, like sobbing uncontrollably to a point that I couldn't speak. And I was like, after all, like it took me about five minutes to get to mum and dad were just like, what's going on? What's going on? Like really unsure of what was happening. I said, look, I don't know what's going on. Like I can't explain it, but I feel the worst I've ever felt in my entire life. And it was just, it hit me like a brick wall after I sort of let go of my emotions. That was when I was like, all right, something serious is going on here. And I couldn't talk to anyone except for my mum and dad and brother and sister because I just couldn't open my mouth. I was internally just a wreck. Yeah. So, yeah, it was sort of... That was when I knew sort of like day four into sort of not feeling too great. But once I let my emotions go, it was all systems go from there. Like nothing... I did not... I just couldn't think properly at all. You might remember when we spoke first about um, about this a couple of weeks back, one of the things that I picked up straight away... Well, there were two things... The first thing is the blessing of your family um, and how important it is to have strong, supportive human beings in your life, whether that be family, friends or um, someone that you seek professionally or, or whatever means. But the second thing was something that I think is really important because I've had my health experiences where I've lent on the trust and um, knowledge of doctors and it's something we spoke about where sometimes it's, I guess there's a push towards um, more natural remedies or therapies. <laughs> um, but I think there's such an important in understanding the care factor that qualified health professionals have. Talk to us about <laughs> that experience. Yeah, for sure. I'm very strong on health professionals. I think that we've got every single reason in the world to trust them um, and we shouldn't question what they're up to. I think we need to question others that are in the medical field that don't have professions that like to think that they know what um, to do. And I'm having a, that's sort of me being having a very opinionated view of it all. But I'll go back to your parent, like my support network. Like I've had, I've been blessed I've been so blessed with my upbringing. I've had my brothers, my pretty much, he's, I'd call him my soulmate essentially because he's just been there my whole life. We like the same things, we do the same he's things. He's a two peas in a pod really. Yeah, <laughs> literally two peas in a pod. And my sister like just glues us together as well. Like she's a huge part of my like my childhood and growing up. Like she's the oldest of the three of us. So she's shown us the way of sort of how to do things and she feels very strongly about things. So it makes me think about like what she's passionate about. Um, but my mum and dad have just been like, my dad's always spoken. He's in the emergency services and he's always spoken about, it's important to talk, um, about major events. Like he's seen a lot of like wrecked bodies, bodies in half, all that kind of nonsense that like no one really wants to see. And, um, my mum's just been emotionally like that person that I bounce off all the time, asking for guidance and making sure that I'm in the right direction and oh, she's like, she's an angel. She, everything she says I take as gospel because it's just, it, everything she says is always right. Like you look back. Comes and, with the right intentions. Yeah. I look back and I'm like, how did my mum know that that was a bad decision? And I look back and go, all right, listen to mum more often. Like it's more important to do that. They have a way the parents, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Even if you don't want to believe it at first. And it's, and I always let my mum know. I was like, look, mum, I know you've said and I don't call her mum often so it's weird saying mum her name's Kelly so I call her Kelly a lot we've called her that since birth so I'll, I'll do that from now but Kel's always just giving me the right guidance and sort of like oh Jared I think you should do this or like you're, you're very you're personally suited to this I think you rah, rah, rah. and it's just every time she's right and I'm like god damn it like I love that you're right and I've taken your advice and um I didn't I didn't bounce off any of my mates to start off because it was just so bad that I couldn't talk to anyone like I literally I went into darkness for about a year I was six months to a year, like I went fully off the radar. Like normally I'm a relatively social person. 
Um, and I just did not talk to anyone. Didn't feel like it, didn't want to, didn't have anything in me, no desire to speak to anyone. That's, um, that's interesting because I, I guess to, to set the scene for you guys a little bit, you're 27 now. Yeah, 27 years old. And so, so this was mid-20s that you went through all of this. Even a couple of years ago, I don't feel like it was as easy to speak about these sort of things as it is now. Yeah, definitely. It's still hard, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I feel like there's definitely a more supportive message publicly that these things are things we should be discussing with mates um, or whoever. Yeah, definitely. So about four, so it was about three years ago that it all went down. And like you said, even then, like mental health is one of those growing sort of areas, especially for males, and that's something that I'm quite passionate about. And But it's no one knows if you've never been through it, like I hadn't when I was 23, you know, I, I thought that I was being there for my mates by saying, hey, mate, how you going? Is everything okay? Which is being there for your mates. But it's the honest conversation you have with your friends and letting, it sounds corny, but letting down your barriers to let them in. But like even with you, we've known each other for a couple of months. I've had really deep conversation. And I, could sound, I think it sounds all corny, but it's kind of words that you have to use to sort of make, make a difference between normal conversation and just having a like ha- having an average laugh with your mates and like with you and beards a shout out to Zach bit off the situation um <laughs> it's you have you talk deeper about and it's not necessarily going hey boys i feel like this and rah, rah, rah. it's sort of like honest conversation where you go hey mate like what's been happening lately and say it in a way that you sort of want them to open up and knowing you and yeah. Zach, it's sort of easy to get it out. But it, do, it does take time. You wouldn't do it with every mate. Yeah. And I wouldn't ask heart, like 90% of my friends or talk about this kind of stuff to them because it's just not the right person, right place, right time. Everything's sort of got to sit well with me before I can open up and sort of be like, hey, guys, this is what I've been through. Yeah. Just to let you know if I'm going a bit quirky and I'm going off the radar. I'm all good. Like I've got my support network. Just don't be like, "Oh, where's Jared? What's he up to? If he's okay." Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but no, I get that, it. Yeah, I get it. It's. I really want to delve into if you're comfortable talking yeah. about the um, the experience, no pun intended, yeah. of being in the hospital because yeah. we we speak about one of the key words here is clinical depression. Yeah. So this was diagnosed by a doctor. Yeah. Firstly. Talk to me about, we spoke a little bit about how they diagnose and explain this, the, the occurrence of this and how yeah. this can happen. Touch on that, but then touch on the experience and what a, a week or a day looks like yeah, okay. um, in a mental health hospital. So it was all brand new to me. And when I was at the lowest I've ever been in my entire life, I was day one in there. And the first thing they do, like I was so tense that I was shaking and all that kind of nonsense. And it was pretty full on. Like I left my mum and dad. Um, they, no, they're not allowed to stay over. So it's, if, if you know Wollongong well, which I assume a lot of people who listen are from Wollongong, the old um, Ridges Hotel across from Wollongong um, train station yeah. is the mental health hospital. Um, and I was lucky enough that my parents, because I've, I've broken myself 2,000 times, like my leg, my back, all that kind of stuff. They've got me on private health insurance. So I was lucky um, that it's just a $500 um, fee and you're in there for a, however long you need to be in there for. But my doctor sent me in um, because I said, look, this is obviously a track that we need to go down. Day one, I got in there. It was probably about 12 o'clock and um, I was quite, uh, I was sort of a cross between anxious slash who the fuck knew what was going on in my head that I was just shaking and feeling pretty crook. So they gave me a sedative just to calm me down. Ended up sleeping for a few hours. Um, sleep was kind of my only escape, so I tried to sleep a lot um, yeah. because that was when I was at rest and I felt good. Like I wake, or you woke up, first five minutes was a little bit, how you going? But I woke up and this mental health nurse came in, um, forget his name, and he just goes, are you feeling all right? And I was like, no, nah, mate, not at all. He's like, that's good. Let's talk more about that and just shot the shit for about, 20 minutes and next thing you know <laughs> at that point in time I'm, I'm, I like crying because it gets rid of a lot of emotions for me but um just cried for about 20 minutes and talked about what was happening and then he shared his experience from when he was my age and he went through the same thing as cl- like clinical depression he ended up in a hospital how old was he roughly at this age? he was 55 i think um just going by looks. yeah and that just made me go holy shit like this is this is a normal thing 
I'm okay, I'm in the right hands, people have been through it before, all I have to do is trust everyone. And that's the biggest thing that I need to do. And I'm a massive advocate about trusting doctors because they, you can question doctors' questions, but trust them because especially like mental health, like you are the most vulnerable you will ever be in your entire life. It deserves a professional who is totally dedicated to making you your better version of yourself or at least that little bit better to get through the next day. And that's what they, the nurses did there. They were fantastic. And that's what the psychiatrists and psychologists. But day one, um, I'll go, first night was pretty good. Had a good sleep, woke up. And everything's done for you there. So your breakfast, lunch and dinner is warm. You, you, it's pretty much like a buffet. Like you go in and you go, hey, you sit down. Someone comes out and they go, oh, what do you want for breakfast? And I was like, oh, can I have... Like, what is that? What can I get? And they were like, oh, we've got eggs and bacon. I was like, oh, look, I'm veggie. Like, what can I have? And um, they just go, oh, we'll just bring out a bit of everything. And I was like, oh, sweet. So I had like tomatoes, baked beans and like a little, like a hot breakfast, a cold breakfast. And I'm like, fire out. My mood's already lifted because this is like amazing. Yeah. And then um, had a session with a psychiatrist. Again, a bit of blubbing. And that was was really good to talk through it. And they're quite clinical with how they approach you. So, like, you oh, you really, like, my psychiatrist, I think he's he saved my life, literally. He's a big part of why I'm here today. But he um just goes through the motions, like, tries to assess what is going on in your head without getting attached. And I think that's a huge importance, like, not attaching to the emotion rather than the facts of what are happening like i can only like my words can only express what i'm feeling and he's they he she um my psychiatrist james i legend um they've got to assess what's going on in like a very structured way so yeah i found it weird like i was bawling my eyes out and he showed no emotion i was like who the what's going on how's this guy not crying or feeling and then the more times I saw him, I was like, he's just doing his job, like really trying his hardest to understand what I'm doing. So I, I talked more and I tried to let him know more what was going on, even though I wasn't talking to anyone. I'm like, this guy wants to help me. Like I can see yeah. he's actively trying. Like he came and saw me like six in the morning, first morning, and he was there till like 10 at night. And I was like, this guy, he's like, and all the psychiatrists did it. They were just there all the time, just wanting the best out of everyone there. And it was fantastic, like really supportive. But day looks like, I'll go back to the day. Breakfast, you have about an hour break, chill. There's a table, tennis table, um, some puzzles, books, whatever you want to do. And then there's classes. I went to two classes a day. Um, and depending what you're in there for, so I was in there for depression there's other classes for addiction. Um, so you separate yeah. into your classes and you go around the room. And I originally, the first class was weird because it wasn't structured and it was a brand new um, person like organizing that class. Okay. And everyone really delved into their emotions. And I was like, this is hectic. Next class, because that one was a little bit too much for me. Next class was you did the same thing, but it was really structured and you talked about your subjective units of distress. So totally subjective to yourself. So I would go around the room and they're called sub subjective units of distress. I'd go around the room and go, look, I'm at about a six today. Yesterday I was at a four and this is why I'm feeling that way. So you sort of get to know each other while you're in there without yeah. personally knowing their ins and outs. Because I don't want to know. I'm not here for the person next to me. I'm here for me. Yeah, so, it's but, almost got to be a little selfish, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it was. And they it, it's set up in a way to be there just for you. And then if someone's feeling crook, you're not there for them. The the professionals are there. And it was yeah. it's the best setup ever. But you have lunch. that Again, that's made for you. I remember having this epic halloumi sandwich. And then that was day one. Isn't and, it funny the things you remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was the best because another lady came up to me and said, like, I was... I looked like a bag of shit, hey. And I, I remember a lady coming up to me and goes, oh, you don't look too crash hot. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, yeah, appreciate it. She's like, first timer? And I was like, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, you can see it. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I was like, oh, look, I have no idea what to expect. Are we allowed to talk to each other? She's like, yeah, we are. We can talk this shit. What, what are you doing? What do you normally do with yourself? And it just eased me into what, like, this punter has just come in. Who knows what she's got? Yeah that just comes and chats to you, just to chat to you. And Mm. I'm like, everyone in there is in there for their own reasons. But if you're up for a conversation, no one talked about their emotions. Everyone talked about 
the good stuff on the on the outside. I use air bunnies there, but the good stuff on the outside. Like it's nice. It's nice to be with someone who's in the same situation or a headspace similar headspace situation and just talk about whatever's on their mind that's not crap because that's all done. It's like, light at the end of the tunnel, isn't it? Yeah. So that's an average day. You wake up, hot brekkie, go to a class, lunch, and then you got free time in the oven. That's when my mum and dad visited every day, same with my brother. My brother was working across the road, so um, once I was allowed to get let out, and it wasn't a jail situation. They just said, look, just so we get to know you better, for the first three days, do you mind if you don't leave? And I was like, all voluntary. You can leave whenever you want. So it's not as if you're in here for yeah. good, it's locked down. It's like, look, just so we understand where you're at a little bit better. Because like, I went into a psychosis when I was in there, so like, you really start to not... You, like, reality is just impossible to understand. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and um, so, yeah, so after three days, my brother and I, we, he, he'd go on his 10 o'clock lunch, um, break and I'd meet him for coffee just down the road at Boston's Espresso. And it was fantastic. Um, so there was normality involved in it. And then that was my day. So wake up, breakfast, coffee, class, lunch, free time in the Arvo. And at that point in time, I was relying on like technology to take away, like to be my escape. So like social yeah. media and the news and day one, I just said, no, nah, I don't want anything near me. This is, I'm here for me. I know that's my escape. I know that's where I go to, to try and find a little bit of sanity. And wasn't, I thought, well, if I can do it without it, I can do it without it. So I left every bit of technology at the door, gave it to mum and dad, yeah. except for my phone too, so they could come in and out, but deleted all the apps just to use my phone as a phone. And that was fantastic for me. And it was more time to reflect on, hey, what's going on in your head, Jared? Let's try and work it out. Not like super deep shit, but have conversations with the mental health nurses. And one of them, I, I knew three of them prior to going in. And they were like, mate, what's going on? Yeah. I like, And there's faces in there that, you know, it's Wollongong, you know each other. Yeah. And you just go, and, but then they're just so open and being like, dude, what's going on? You're in the mental health hospital. Like in my head, I was like, fuck, shouldn't everyone be like, bit weirder but everyone's normal man like now i look around the street and i'm like we're all we're all we've all got something we've all got screws loose man like something's there's something unique about us all and i use the word unique not there's nothing wrong because we're all weird like it's just a matter of putting a label to a name but some of us really need that assistance and help from a health professional like a psychiatrist or a psychologist definitely so yeah first day what was the second question? Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent. Um, the second question was, when, when you met with the doctor and they clinically diagnosed this as depression, what was, the, what was the explanation around the sudden change in your mental state? Because I know you said, you said they said there was some sort of potentially common things in, in men of that age. Mm. So, um... My read on it, so I didn't look much into mental health prior, just sort of like my mates talked about, look, oh, boys, let's all take care of each other. But when I got told about it, I took it upon me to just have a little bit of research. Like the doctor said stuff, and like I said, you question what the doctors say. You don't go against what the doctors say. You, you make sure you know what you look about it. So I looked up some journal articles and it was sort of a bit of a hit because you go, oh, damn it. I've, there's a, now a label there. And I thought, well, that label means something. What does that label mean? Like a broken yeah. arm. You've broken your arm. It's quite clear. But with mental health, and the first thing my psychologist said, he goes, look, I'm, he goes, we know nothing about the brain, but we know so much about the brain. And that just, he just goes, look, we don't know where this is going to go. And we've got good ideas of what might help and what might not. But the yeah. brain is such a unique place. So he, he never gave me false hope. He never goes, said, look, we're going to fix you. Like a lot of, I won't say that. Um, <laughs> we spoke about yeah. this the other day, the importance of <laughs> factual hope. Yeah, factual hope. Like you hear these people, and I'm going to na- name and shame them, but life life coaches and people who facilitate these higher being seminars and i go no that is false hope for the vulnerable that is honestly just provide that's preying on vulnerable people at their lowest they'll ever be for hope 
Oh man, it makes me, it makes, it's really hard to think about (coughs) that because I was one of those people and I would have jumped on that. And what would have I have been at the end? Who knows? I I don't want to think about that. And we spoke about the importance of that because I think, like you said, mental health for for most people, it, it is the most vulnerable they will ever be. And when you're vulnerable, you're looking for any source of hope. Yes. And even if that feels right for a minute but leads in the wrong direction, um, sometimes it's impossible to take that step back and retrack. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head. And I've, I've spoken about it. I spoke about it with you and Bids the other day. Health professionals are health professionals for a reason. Yes. Um, use these other people to aid and supplement when you're in the right headspace and yeah. you want to... Um, you know, better your life in, in certain facets or areas. But when it comes to you and your, your life, please speak to someone who is actually qualified and, and does this for a living because I can't stress that enough. And, and you just mentioned before when you, when you rocked up here, I'd say at the studio, but it's actually my apartment. <laughs> um, you listened to the chat with Jack from Talk To Me Bro the other yeah. day who done a very good job in that podcast of sharing his experience with, with mental health problems, whilst very clearly stating that he is studying in, in psychology or psychiatry. Um, I get confused between the two, but really put an emphasis on the health professionals in his life that helped him get out of that place. Mm. And I think it's really important to know your role. Yeah. It, doctors... Psychologists and psychiatrists are vital to becoming the better version of yourself and finding the right one is also very important. But something, is it Jack? Yeah. Yeah, so I listened to Jack. It was just so nice listening to him speak about the talk to me, bro, and what he wants that to be and how exactly how you said, how he said rely on the health professionals. I'll happily say now, and I think it's really important to talk about this, is I've called up like in the last six months i've called up men's line and i've called up lifeline um not because i've been on the edge or anything but in that moment i needed a bit of clarity and that clarity helped me that next few hours which helped me into not that i was going anywhere serious with it but it's important to know that those services are there and like jack said call upon them at any time they're there 24 7 they'll be in the show notes um it's just vital to know that there are services and and people the two people i talked to they had both expressed what they had gone through in their life so they they've acted upon what has happened to them got a professional like professionals have really worked they've been they've done the studies they've needed to become a psychologist and now they're giving back their time to support those that need it and people like jack and those that have the capacity to do that i know i couldn't do that because i'm too emotional i get too (laughs) involved with other people yeah but it's just fantastic to know that there's those professionals out there to help you when you need it we definitely will put that in the show notes too we'll put some of those numbers and some of those really good sources that you can go to for for help if you're ever in that situation talk to me about when you when you were in there, and we spoke about this a little bit earlier in this episode, you you said you only really felt confident to confide in your family at the at the start. You were so unsure about how you were feeling and why you were feeling that way. To convey that to anyone would be really difficult. I can imagine. Yeah, it's um the whole like trying to put it into words is pretty difficult because it's like saying asking someone to what's the feeling of happiness. What's the feeling of sadness? What's what's a feeling? Is it a thought? What's a thought? And then you go into this little rabbit hole that you can't get out of. But I didn't feel comfortable. I remember going like always Eat Street, Thursday nights, Wollongong Mall. It's the best thing ever. Heaps of people there. High fives, handshakes all around. I remember walking through the the day that I told my mum and dad, because mum and dad were like, look, we'll get out, we'll go... And I saw all my mates and my head just went down. And I was like, whoa, like I didn't even mean to do that. And head went down and I just turned into like just started tearing up. And I was like, what is going on? Like to myself, I was going, why am I doing this? And my mates came up, oh, you all right, mate? Yeah, yeah, I tried to have a conversation. Yeah. And I couldn't, I, could, I was like, sorry, boys, got to go. 
straight away. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is something serious. But it, I, I didn't feel the confidence in my friends, not that they didn't have it, yeah. but I just felt that I only needed my mum, my dad, my brother and my sister. Like they're the only ones I needed at that point in time. But later on, like yourself, I need you to have a conversation with you about it like we did the other day. Like you need certain people at certain times throughout your experience with your own mental health. Like I know when I need to speak to my mum and dad about it and I know when I can have a quick throwaway conversation with my mates about it just to get one or two things off your chest. Like I said to you the other day, like Brad Bids and I have been going for walks in the morning. It's been really nice. And generally after about three months of knowing someone or knowing someone long enough to go, fuck, this guy might be around for a little bit. Okay, look, fellas, look, if I go off the radar, this could be a reason why. So don't go, fuck, where's Jared been? I hope he's all right. Just go, look, he's in the right hands. He's with his mum and dad. And it's important to communicate that information to your friends. Because when you go quiet, like I went quiet to my parents, but my parents knew as long as they were around me. So they didn't leave my side the whole time. Until yeah. I was in hospital, I asked him, I said, look, I don't trust myself. And dad was like, yeah, when we're not leaving your side. Like, you are. Yeah. So, everything was, like, sweet. Like, I was in safe hands. I knew I had what I needed. I didn't need to tell anyone else. Yeah. I didn't even tell my best mate, Ali. Like, I was just like... I didn't tell him until, like, three that. weeks in. I was going to ask that. So, at what point... How long were you in the hospital for? So, I've had two stints in there. I've had... The first one was four months... Uh, four weeks, sorry. That was over 2006, 2017 or 16 Christmas. So I went in there like a week before Christmas and yeah. I was in there over Christmas and New Year's. And it was really nice. I had, I had this, the South Coast Private Hospital put um, a Christmas lunch on for everyone. Yeah. Normally you're not allowed anyone else in there for dinner or lunchtime because that's kind of your time to think and yeah. go through that. And it's just for patients or clients or people staying there. And they allowed everyone's parents or two loved ones to come in. And that is going to stay with me forever. I remember, like, that was, I was content. I was happy. I was talking to the staff. That was the first moment I was like, fuck, something's, I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm on the road up. I'm on the road up. Like, there's hope. Yeah. And it was because there was so much support around me that I didn't need support from a thousand people. I just needed the support from the right people. Um, and that was enough for me. And I think, is as long as you have one person, two people, three people, you might need 10 people, whatever works for you. But if you can get that trust, uh, not trust, if you can get that support from that one person, might be your partner, might be your best friend, just roll with that one. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it worked with me. And then the more, so three weeks in, my best mate, Ali, he's a psychologist. I didn't tell him till four weeks in, three or four weeks in or when I was nearly out. And he, he was like, why? And I was like, because well, I just... I didn't need your support then, but I'm going to need it now. Yeah. And it was just, he goes, all right, cool. Let me know what I need to do. Again, with someone who I like, I'll bounce off all the time, but the right people at the right time sort of worked really well in my favor. Definitely. And we spoke in the start, um, bipolar as well. Yeah. Where did that come into play? Because that, that is definitely not, as commonly spoken about as depression. Yeah. Um, and it's almost, it almost feels really uncommon because yeah. I don't think that, you know, I've definitely um, had interactions or conversations with people other than yourself that have encountered depression or been treated for that. I definitely haven't had conversations with anyone regarding bipolar. It yep. was the first time. Um, so I have a very limited understanding. So... Bipolar, there's a couple of, like, all di- like bipolar is an umbrella for a lot of different things, like the severity, like you can cut your leg or you can break your leg, it's still okay. a, a broken leg. Oh, sorry, that's not a good analogy. So I won't use that. Like the t- bipolar that I have, so I went in there for the first four weeks in December, January, and I got out and I wasn't feeling crash hot, but they said, look, this is something that you're going to have to manage. It's not like here's a magic pill and it will, you're all better. It's like something that you've got to grow and learn from. Um, because you've been in the lowest lows, it may be an extended period of, fuck, you're not feeling too crash hot, just sort of roll with it. Like um, something that Jack talked about actually was having a tool in your tool shed. like Mental toolbox. Yeah, your mental toolbox. And I really, really like that because like there's certain tools you need at certain times. Like there's no perfect tool. 
that does yeah. everything. So I got out of there and about four months later, this was when I was doing my master's master's degree. So it was sort of pretty intense. That, like I'm actually surprised I was able to function because um, I was on a few medications. It really made me a lot better, like took away those suicidal idolizations and um, made me think... Um, think without having that thought in the back of my mind like that really dull gross dark place um was really good i mean sorry (laughs) it wasn't really good was it was a lot better because i was having some medication um for clinical depression and then four months later again i was just went back into this real dark hole nowhere near as bad as the previous time um but i was went back in for four weeks and i went through this so this was the this was sort of like the turning point because normally clinical depression gets a little bit better and better and better and better and you're you're feeling okay again or like whatever okay is for yourself. Yeah. And then I went back in and I tried a few... They thought I was potentially schizophrenic or like um, yeah. something along that line. So they trialed me on one medication that worked really well but at a really low dose that works for bipolar Um and then they tried another one with bipolar. And next thing you know, I'm feeling fantastic, like feeling on top of the world. Um, when I say on top of the world compared to what I was, like yeah. I was feeling happy again and I wanted to talk to my friends and I wanted to socialise. And that's when they go, all right, we've tried these drugs, these medications on you um, and you've come, tested back quite positively to them to a point that we can kind of define that you... Uh, type 2 bipolar so late onset type type 2 bipolar and that means that like a lot of bipolar people people that suffer from bipolar can go in either two ways they get the the manic or the manic episodes so they go and do crazy things i've never had one so i don't really know yeah Um, but what i've seen so this is only what i've seen is they go manic and they spend all their money they run nude through the streets they do all these crazy things um, that might seem crazy to others, but to them, it's normal. Like, it's yeah. fine. And I, I can relate to that because, like, I've had the opposite end, which is the depression side to it. Yeah. Um, and you're just going, okay, that's probably what they're thinking. They think it's right to think like that. Um, but so mine's a depression. I've never had a manic episode. Um, don't know if I will. Don't know if that's going to come along. But they said, look, you've got, you've got it, so you might get it. Um, but I've only had the low episodes and that's what, what brought on the clinical depression. And this is me doing Mr. Statistics, but in, so I was mid twenties, there's a high suicide rate in males in mid twenties. Um, I don't know the statistics, so I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to say they're high, um, compared to other age groups and other, the other genders. And I now look back and I go, wow, like maybe fellas, have gone through something like I have. They've never struggled in their life. This has happened and they just haven't had anyone to talk to. And like I was listening to Jack the other week, how he was there for his mate. And you look back and you go, far out. Like, what can you do different? And it it made me reflect and go, all right, well, what can I do different? Like, what would I do different for me if in my circumstance? I'm only one person. I'm only one experience. So I can't speak for everyone. But having honest conversations like I was with you and Bid the other week, that's something that I think is important. Whether that works for others or not, it's up to them to trial it out and see if it works. 100%. You know, I listened to a podcast last week or the week before. um, A little bit different. There was uh, an element of depression in there in this gent's story, but um, more drug addiction. And a guy by the name of Mike Malak, who is a close friend of Logan Paul's and they have a lot of exposure in um, the social space and the YouTube world and Mike had just released a book and they'd done a podcast on it talking about his journey and there's something he said at the end of that which I, I really really loved it was probably the one one of the biggest takeaways from that whole episode for me and he said if you've never faced depression or addiction or um, any of these other mental barriers in your life you're extremely blessed and you should feel privileged to be able to um, walk around knowing that you've not had those barriers just yet but if you have faced them and you've come out the other side well then you've got something within you that you should share with the world Hmm. and I really like that because I thought 
n- none of us know if we're going to encounter it. None of us know when we do how we will handle it. Yeah. If you've had the fortitude and the strength to come out the other side, and I see you now, and I can't commend you enough because <laughs> you're a no, you are, man. You're you're a fucking good human. Like Thanks. we get on great. You've got an amazing personality, and. To walk, I always say to walk with anyone down Wollongong Beach is a great show of their character because the amount of get a's, how you goings, <laughs> handshakes, <laughs> hugs, high fives that come out of you shows the character that you have. Yeah. And I think your story, as well as the stories of those who have been through similar to you, can be so impactful. Yeah. And conversation is powerful. It really can change people's lives. Yeah, definitely. It's... um. Conversation is one of the biggest things at the right time that's the best like medication you can have because for me at one point in time conversation was was awful for me because it made me feel really uncomfortable um, when I was in sort of the not feeling too crash hot in my down in my sort of worst phase but once I got out of hospital all I wanted to do was catch up on what I missed out on and those conversations and I didn't really want anyone to know not that I was ashamed of being in the mental health hospital like I told everyone that I thought needed to know and it's not something that I don't think it's something that people deserve to know like anyone because people will judge um judge isn't the right word people will have their opinion on what you have gone through and I have opinion on people because we're all human we all I don't know do yeah and it's no opinions good or bad but when you put yourself out there and publicly say hey this is something that I have gone through personally um it's there to be critiqued and talked about and this is the first time that I've openly talked about all the bits of experience to whoever listens to it but it's also like a time that I'm nearly a year and a half down the track and this is the best I've ever felt because I feel comfortable with myself. I've got the most amazing partner in the world. I've just moved out with her. I've got amazing mum and dad. I've got a little nephew now, my brother-in-law, my um, brother's girlfriend, Tilly, who I've lived with for six years. My brother, my mum and dad, like I've got everything in the world I need. How blessed are you to have those people, oh, right? It's... it's I, I can't imagine. I'm the luckiest guy in the world to be born into the family I was and to have like, and it's not just my family, but to bump into people like you at um, different events. Like I've seen you around for so long and I'm going, who's that punter wearing all those fancy suits and have, like <laughs> 10 AirPods in his pocket? I'm like, what are you doing, Brad? Um, and I'll go, what, three watches today, mate? Why have you got three on? Rolexes, what? Um, and to have friends around that you can talk about it and not be and then just go yeah sweet mate and just go oh cool that's how they reacted to it and not go what happened oh my god yeah and happy to talk about it if you want to know about it if you're a good mate but when you open yourself up to the public you go oh, you don't want to talk about it sometimes you do want to talk about it others and now i'm in a point in my life where i'm like man i'm so so content with where i am now that I still go through rough patches. Everyone goes through rough patches, but with the bipolar stuff and with the clinical depression, it doesn't define who I am. It's just a part of who I am today. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling great. Happy to talk about it with everyone, especially those that may may be going through something themselves. And something that I try to do, you, the Barstool blokes has been fantastic that... um. What's his name again, Mr. His Boy? Lockie. That Lockie's set up. That's fantastic. Met a couple of legend blokes there. Um, Men's Shed, run at Ghetto Movement um, by Will Grant is absolutely fantastic. I remember Will's going a good there. Bloke, isn't oh, it? it's great that he's got the opportunity to and, and put his sort of nose out there and said, hey, fellas, like if you're feeling emotional or not feeling emotional, come and hang out and we'll all have pizza. Next thing you know, the first time I rock up, there's like 30 blokes big burly blokes little scrawny blokes like me all just hanging out sitting in a circle some of us are blubbing for no reason i'm going far out how good is this but everyone's sharing but not to a point that makes like everyone's there because they want to help like some blokes there we went around in a circle some blokes like i've never had anything wrong with me i'm feeling creme de la creme like i'm all good but i want to hear i will just want to let people know i'm here to help yeah and i'll see i've seen those faces around a lot 
And I've just looked at them and your respect level just goes through the roof because they've actively taken time out to be there for someone that might want a conversation. But the best thing about those places is it just guides you to the health professionals that can help. Yeah. The man walk has been fantastic. I've met like five, that like blew oh, up on social media. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll go. I'll see what it's like. First time there was heaps of blokes there. It was sick. One was my old school teacher. Um, and it was just sick, just chatting about anything and everything. Nothing like, no sad, it wasn't as if you like sad sacks walking along going, oh, that sucks. It's like, that's a good time for people, people's week. It's like, And people sometimes just need a good time to look forward to, right? Yeah. And that, that's what I've learned. I've learned that sometimes it's those, so for me, I guess the, you know, I've spoken about this before on the potty, probably the hardest, the most mentally challenging thing for me in my life was when I was in Melbourne without anyone. I really only had um, the people that I work with every day who were good people, um, but I didn't have emotional support that I was coming home to. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm the biggest sook when I'm away from my family. (laughs) Like I love my family um, like there's no tomorrow. They're the, the greatest humans and I love my mates. And coming home back here to Wollongong, it, that was a hard decision because I knew I was making the right decision for me, but I worried yeah. that people thought I was giving up. Yeah. Um, but I remember coming back and it was in, within a matter of days, I knew I'd made the right decision because the minute I drove down Mount Oosley, <laughs> yeah. seen Wollongong <laughs> and knew that it just meant there were going to yeah. be people, a phone call away, a text away. I could walk down the beach and bump into 10, 10 people that you, that you don't want to hang out with, but you want to see. You just want to see. <laughs> and I thought, fuck, the importance of just yeah. knowing that people are there or having those good times yeah. to look forward to yeah. is so underrated. Yeah, having, like, that's why I really enjoy living in Wollongong a lot because a lot you'll hear a lot of people from time to time, like, I'm how old, 27 now, I remember being... Like not like even now you hear some people going like oh gotta leave gotta leave and I'm like I just smile and I'm like man this is the best place in the world it like is, even though I might come across as a small town boy or whatever it is I'm just like I've got my mates here there's the ocean there there's the bush there there's my family there's bars there's cafes there's everything everything that I really like doing here I know there's bigger and better stuff that you could do, but I'm like, I've got it too good here. I love Wollongong too much to leave. It's an amazing place. Yeah, it's the best. Talk to me about some of those, some of those anchors for you now in life. And I know it's going to be different for yeah. everyone. Um, but personally for you, what, what keeps you really grounded and, and I guess almost routine that you love having a part of your week Yeah, that keeps you happy and keeps you grounded and pushes you in that right direction? Um, things that keep me grounded, uh, I haven't really thought about it too much, which is actually good to think about, but things that sort of make me sort of think, oh, I don't make sense. It's kind of like my family makes, makes me, sh- no, that doesn't make sense either. My family are pretty much the ones that hold, that I hold so close to me that their opinions matter. So all I'll make sure that I talk to them about what my ideas are that might be a bit exciting or my emotions that are going this way or that way. But my family, like I've said throughout this, have been, I'm the luckiest guy in the world and I know people aren't as lucky as I am and may not have a a family or what they call a family. Family doesn't necessarily mean blood to some people. So family might mean three of your best friends are your family or stepmom, stepdad, whatever it might be. Like they might be the people that you consider. But my mum and dad, brother, sister and their partners have been fantastic. And um, someone else who's been sort of, I wouldn't call my rock because I think that sounds a bit corny, but someone who's just sort of looked at me as like, I don't know why she, my partner Sophie. She just looks at me like I'm too good, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, why, why? Like, she's a good human. Oh, she's she? she's amazing, and I. So I met Soph. I was literally first night out of my second stint in hospital. I did tickets on the doors for yours and ours event for Xavier Rudd, and we stood next to each other for a whole night and just shot the shit because no one really showed up. 
and we were working. And then I was like, I just talked for three hours with this person, first night out of hospital, and it felt so normal. I've got to, I've got to know this person more. And then we went on a date, and we've been together for a couple of years now. And I told her about two weeks in, I said, look, I'm only just out of the mental health hospital. I don't want, like, if you want to go, like, it's all good. But if you yeah. want to stick around, like, I just thought I'd let you know. She's like, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, wow, like, straight away, she's just gone, like, this guy's seems pretty good. Yeah. And every, every day I look at her now, I'm like, man, having her has just been fantastic because it's sort of like a, of a light of my life like going in and out of like each day I get to be with it like it's fantastic how important is it for you because I think that's an amazing point and you know I've spoken about it in the past before because sometimes you know my I guess my list of little health yeah (laughs) could be a little bit scary or a little bit um frightening for for maybe the average person who hasn't come across that sort of stuff how how important is it to have a partner that's so supportive of the ups and the downs. Yeah. And just sticks around through all the shit. Yeah. It's um it's like I've got a massive smile on my face, but I'm like Soph's pretty much signed up to this punter that could who knows what I could have done then. Like I didn't know. Like could I yeah. have gone back down into a, a hole that wasn't crash hot and so it's just gone. Faith. Yeah, and I've just gone sweet. So so if wants to be around me, I'm gonna make sure I give everything to her. And we've just moved out this week um, together, and it's just seen, everything's just grass is greener every day. Like it's you, fantastic. Are you a little guarded? I know. I know you very you very much put yourself out there, which you said before to be open and chatting to people and yeah. being a shoulder for others to lean on. Are you a little bit more guarded with the people that you let into your circle nowadays, though, to make sure that? those people are positive influences on you and that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I reckon I've got like four circles. So my circle on the insides, my family and close, close friends. I'm going to say there's one of them, Ali, my really good friend. Yeah. Um, and my partner. So that's my part, my partner. So my family, which includes Tilly, my brother's partner and Matt, my brother, sorry, my sister's partner, my little nephew Darcy, he's included even though he doesn't listen too well. Um, and then on the outside, it's like friends and family, sorry, family and extended ex- extended family and friends that, like yourself that you'll chat to and you'll do all that kind of stuff with. And to get in there, there's not many, eh? Like mm. there's not those to like, it's not a bad thing. It's just like I don't need that. Like, yeah, like, like when you're in a relationship, I want it to be like give and take. Like I want to be able to give and you take it and I want to be able to give and you take it. It sounds a bit sexy, <laughs> but relax everyone. Um, We're keeping a PG. But you, the more people let in, the more you've got to manage. Yeah. And I find that I, for me, it's too tricky. So I, I can't let all those people in. You know what it is? I, sp- I, I was literally speaking about this this morning. One of the hardest things for me, I'm a rule, I'm a rule yes man. Mm. So I fell into the habit of always lending my time to catch up, coffee, lunch, this, that, with every human being on the planet Mm. that asked me to. And I love being social and I love connecting with people and being able to chat and maybe there's something they want to get off their chest or I do and, um, you know, that could be the start of a relationship or not. Um, or a friendship, but I find that it's so important to, I've really learned, it's an actual art, it's a skill Mm. to understand (laughs) who you should be lending your time to, and you shouldn't feel bad about your circle being close or tight-knit. No, not at all. And that's, it took me a long time to understand. Yeah. took me a long time to understand that even the most amazing people that I can come across and be mates with and share great conversations with don't necessarily have to be the people that I tell my life story to or expect to understand where my headspace is at. And I I would highly recommend um, just being really thoughtful about the people in your life. And it doesn't mean you don't have to be a good person, everyone. Um, It just means understand that there are positive and negative consequences to the human beings that you let within your walls. Yeah. And it's, 
Because, like, I'll go out for a beer one night, but I'll go out solo knowing that someone's going to be there. And that's a relationship with the person I have out. Next thing you know, I'm hanging out with 10 people at the bar and I'm like, how good's this? That's what I want. That's what that relationship is. Or you go to a cafe and you go, oh, someone, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. I'm going to go see them. And you go, they're working there and you go, sweet. And, or you go, like you said, walk down to North Beach and you see a few people there. That's a relationship I love having with those people. But I'm not going to tell them about the nitty gritty of my life. I want to be the best part of their day. Oh, that sounds bad. I want to be a really good part of their day. Like I want them to go, fuck, it was 16, Jared, today. How good's that? Or, and I want them to be that for me like how good was that seeing ex- like that person today down the beach and they had a smile yeah. on their face i don't need to know everything they're up to if you want to know what they're up to or what they want to tell you go to their instagram or social media they're going to tell you enough and yeah. then you can when you can see them you go dude what's been happening rah, rah, rah. so um yeah having close people i've got very few very few but the next type of people that I hang out with you go you let a little bit more information to them so they know who you are without having to go oh Jared's this type of person or Jared's that type of you, you share a bit of bit more information or so they don't just look at it, their social media or your social media and go oh that's that person like the people that matter you share more information with them so they know the true person of who you are that's why it's like social media is dangerous place. I think it's super dangerous, but so good at the same time. Like, I love it. I'm on it. I reckon it's the best. But, I love it. I'm a, yeah. I, I get right <laughs> yeah. socials. If you know, if you're following me on socials, you know all about what I'm about. But that's a really, really good point because let's delve into that. It's one of the last things I wanted to ask you yeah. um, before I give you the mic to freely speak right. on anything else you'd like to. Um, Coming out of all your experiences, was there any negativity or hate that you had to encounter? No. Nah. Because some people aren't as understanding as, yeah. as most. Um, I'm not going to say, but yeah, there was one and it was just weird, man. Like, because I, like, I'm still on medication today. Um, but yeah, I'll leave that one off the record. But there was... No, everyone's been really supportive. The people that I've directly spoken to, they've always just shown their respect and not asked about it in a very intrusive way. They've just asked, hopes everything's okay, man. If you want to talk, speak. Yeah. Like, I'm here for you. And that's all. Like, if someone tells you about their past experiences, I think it's really important to acknowledge it and just go, hey, future I'm here for you. Like sort of tip of the hat to them. Let them know that yeah. you're you're a person that they can bounce off. And that's what I've done to a few people. And those people have been people that I've gained stronger relationships with, like yourself, because you open up and then not only do you get an arm around you, but you get conversation back and you get advice and opinion and, and insight into their life. And now it's sort of you go to and fro with those people and they're the people that you stick with. But negatively... um. No, I wouldn't say anyone's negative, but people do like to share their experiences and liken it to yours. Um, and I think that, I don't think that's a good way to a approach. Game, yeah, like, and I don't think that's a good way to compare mental health because each and every person's mental health is so unique and needs to be addressed uniquely. Um, and I, I don't, like and I don't want to take anything away from someone else's experience and I don't want them to take away from me. And I think providing advice rather than their opinion is really good. Like, hey, this is something that's helped for me. It could help for you. Not, hey, this is this was this works. It's like, mm, no, because yeah, isn't meditation isn't for everyone. And right, doing I don't know, a gratitude diary is shit house. I hate it, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's good for everyone, but for someone else, it's their life. And I I love that. I love that. There's like we were talking about before the tool shed. Yeah. Toolshed might be a gratitude diary. For me, I can't stand doing it. I like, I don't know why though. But I'm it's not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to sit it. down and question it. Why do I need to question something that was worked for someone else? Just don't do it. Simple. Yeah. Go on. I'm not losing sleep over it. But yeah, as long as long as like, I think that's a pretty important thing about when talking to someone else about mental health is not comparing. Like really, just providing advice on either your own experiences um, in a very non-judgmental way. And it's so hard not to give you judgment or come across. Yeah. And I know I've done it in the past. So I'm like, this is me speaking in terms of, fuck, this is how I've done it. I 
wrong in the past and this is how I'd like to to see myself doing it in the future. So not sort of saying, hey, I'm Mr. Perfect and this is how I should do it. But providing advice and being like, or just any kind of advice that may be helpful um, rather than just saying, hey, this is best, do it. Yeah, I think that's so important. And the reason I ask that question is I know you liked, like we've seen it the other day, I, for the first time, really encountered some hate on social. <laughs> I'm really like, I'm really self-aware. So like, I'm, I'm sweet with it. And I actually got quite a laugh out of it. But some lad comments on a video from like two months back of me leaving real estate. <laughs> yeah. The comment, I'm actually going to, I'll get the comment oh, up and good. read it. Because the, comment, the comment I thought was outstanding. Yeah. Like, it was just... He had a he had a real crack. Like he put himself. Your response himself was beautiful, there. though. Like in terms of like well, showing your nature. To it's... be honest, though, to be honest, I feel like my response six months ago would have been different. And I want to yeah. explain quickly because I think, <laughs> and and this has got a point to it at the end. So he goes, I don't know how the fuck I stumbled across your face, but you seem egotistical as fuck. You're young. No one is coming to you for guidance or advice. I, for one, would not buy a house from a baby-faced real estate agent <laughs> who thinks three and a half years makes them any good at what they do. It doesn't. Stop playing with your fucking hair and chasing compliments. Grow up and get a fucking job. <laughs> what a guy. And so I go, makes me sad to see this, mate. You must be going through some shit in life to be so insecure that you need to go out of your way to be a fuckwit. Wishing you luck, you'll need it. <laughs> then that didn't bother me. Mm. I know how self-aware I am. I know that I'm mm. heading in the right direction and I know yeah. where my intentions are. Yeah. What really got on my nerves though, and I'm working on this still, yeah. is a heap of people jump to my defense to defend my character and my intentions. Mm. And I love that. I, I really yeah. love that because it's mates and friends supporting someone who they know is yeah. doing something or coming from the right place because they know me as a human. Yeah. But then he sort of hadn't started having a crack at a few of them. And I thought, well, maybe some of those people aren't as mentally um, aware and as stable as I am. Yeah. So I sent him a message last night, which he didn't reply to. And I said, still very polite. I said, yeah. mate, I don't mind you having a dig at me. And I'm more than happy for you to, at any stage, send me a message. Tell me what you hate about me and we'll fucking chat about it. Yeah. But... Maybe some others aren't as strong mentally as I am. Yeah. And that could really put someone in a fucking shit place. Yeah. So I'd appreciate it if you stopped the comments and maybe we just liaise over message. Yeah. And he didn't get back to me, but I think he had his girlfriend comment on one of my photos and have a crack at me last yeah. night. So I'm like, oh, dear. You're a hated man. It's pretty funny some of the hate that you've... Or not hate, just oh, that's a bit of hate actually. But yeah. the the comment on the brown, how the brown cardigan fellas stitch up yeah, as well, <laughs> and it's like but you read it, and you can take it, so it's all right. And yeah. you know who you are, and your friends know who you are. But it's it's comical. Like it's, I it I love it. It is, and I just think that the message of that is, if you have a judgment, be really really careful about how you convey that judgment. Or whether you do it all. I think it's so important to understand. It's so important to understand the relationship you have with the human being that you're commenting on before you pass judgment. And if you don't have a relationship, unless they're doing something incredibly wrong, please don't go out of your way to make a comment at all. Um, Some people aren't as mentally strong as others. Some aren't as self-aware. I'm blessed because I am and I have an amazing support base and amazing human beings around me. Um, and I'd like to hope that most people are, but mm. definitely everyone's not. So that's the last message. Before we go, um, I want to ask you, is there anything else you feel like you want to share or you want to put out there that could positively be taken by the listeners? Um, I don't really have a positive quote or anything like that. I'm not really Mr. Motivation, but if you if you are feeling like something's not right, I reckon it's really important to share with a psychologist not don't just try anyone and everyone like or sorry if you try one and it doesn't work that doesn't mean they're all bad like I've gone through three or four now and for that stage in my life they were fantastic and now I'm on one that I just I think is he's been really good for me so don't just do one and be disheartened by it or it doesn't work but even if 
even if you're not feeling like even if you're feeling fantastic i reckon it's always i think it's important to go okay it's not always going to be fantastic not to look at the negative side of life but i think it's important for everyone to see a psychologist or someone like a shrink or someone who can provide guidance for them through life because i've been lucky enough to get some of the best advice ever off psychologists um but i've also got the worst um so you sort of take part and parcel with it and you go okay no one's perfect but keep trying keep trying and if you are feeling bad about yourself ever if you're up late one night or you're i don't know who knows something's not too crash hot you've lost a loved one or you're not feeling too good at all please call like men's line health line lifeline black dog there's so many out there and keep trying keep keep trying because if you don't have those people it's so hard and so difficult and i really wish i could help more but they're the advice that psychologists and health professionals give you are just are just amazing and just so so useful for so many people um so yeah i don't know look on the bright side of life guys <laughs> that's my oh no one one thing that one of the that the health that one of the mental health nurses told me when i was in there was i was having a big blub one day about how I didn't I wish I didn't have it like I wish like I wish I didn't have it like it'd be better off without it and he goes oh no 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 you're gonna grow you're gonna grow from this and I was like yeah mate thanks appreciate it and he goes one thing that he did in the past and he this guy's crazy like does all these sound things and I'm like mate what are you doing he's like oh it works for some people works for doesn't I tried some of them like different sounds connect the brain and I um I was like, yeah, whatever. But one thing he said to me, which really worked, was radically accepting my um, condition or whatever you want to call it. And that was the day that I started doing that. And I think that was a huge turning point, was radically accepting, hey, mate, you've got type 2 bipolar, put a label on it, but going, you've got it, that's it. Sets on and delivered. Like, if you whinge about it now, that's... It's just taking time away from the good stuff. So since then, it's just sort of like I don't whinge anymore like to my parents. I can only whinge to my parents every now and then to my mates. I go, fuck, I wish I didn't have it. But now I'm kind of like, oh, you know what? If I whinge, it's taking time from the good stuff. So, um, yeah, radically accepting what I had was pretty important. I hope if, if you can do that, maybe that might be a step in the right direction for you. Give it a go. If it doesn't work, try something else. Find what works and fits in your toolbox. From this side of the table, um, I want to say we've created a great friendship. I'm really thankful for our friendship, and yeah, we it's good. we have some we have some really great laughs and great times, and we're lucky we've got bids to take the piss out of most of the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> you and I don't take too much emotional damage <laughs> yeah, in that relationship. No. Poor no. Um, the situation does, um, but but in all in all honesty, and um, and I genuinely mean this. If any of you are having really tough times, please feel feel comfortable to get the help that you need. Um, you know, if you didn't do what you'd done, maybe we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation now. And um, that's a really powerful feeling. So I'm blessed that we can sit here and do this. Mr. Jared Peaceguard. Thank, thank you very, very much, much for having me. Appreciate My it. My pleasure.